Welcome back to the With Joe Eby podcast. We are back to unpacking the great Tim Ferriss. And Luke, say you want to start a new podcast project, but you're not sure if it'll work out, right? You could concentrate more on work or do something else with that time, right? And save the money and effort that might go into a podcast. But is there a way around this idea, this fear that something might not work out, right? Is there a way around it? How do you how do you overcome that obstacle? You've just started your podcast. Mm-hmm. How did you did you have to grapple with that, or maybe didn't think about it? I don't know. I started doing nothing specific around podcasting, like you know, Joe with um, Dom. It was just a way to talk about our training week, and it kind of evolved. However, we went through a lot of resistance to the idea just in general because it was kind of a maybe a scary thing to do or something that requires putting yourself out there but obviously we've had you and I've had a lot of back and forth where I guess through just conversation and reflection I don't think I did it myself I I was fortunate enough to have you there guiding but just what's the worst that can happen asking that question like what's honestly, the can what's the what's the worst that can happen, and what 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 can you what can you gain from it? So weighing up the weighing up the pros and cons, in I guess it's a very generic way of doing it. However, it was effective because there's very little downside. Down, maybe the downside is you make a fool of yourself, or someone doesn't agree with you. Okay, if you can try and put that out of your head, then the upside's massive. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating because obviously I promised yesterday we'd go through Tim Ferriss' system for how how do you win even if you do fail and what Mm. that means, which is quite a counterintuitive statement at first, is the idea that even if the things you're afraid of, so the cons, let's talk about the cons list, right? Let's actually, Mm. the pros, let's leave that there, right? You get to do something you enjoy. It could become a new um, career opportunity, work opportunity, income opportunity, impact opportunity, all that stuff. Let's leave that to one side. There's the cons that you might get laughed at, that it might not work out, whatever the fuck not working out means. Maybe you'll lose money. Maybe if it was something podcasts are not too expensive or they can be free to run. But maybe the time investment or someone else who has taken a bit of bigger business risk, maybe there's the risk of what you'd lose, the money, right? What if those downsides are actually upsides in disguise because then we have a dangerous proposition here where you actually have to do it (laughs) you actually don't have a choice and this is what we call figuring out a way to protect the downside this was very influential in my thinking and I started to learn it for myself through experience as I was probably around the age of 22 23 I think now what Ferris does when he looks at something He always focuses on the skills and relationships that will persist even after that project he's trying because you can't ever know if it will work out or succeed, right? So you will never know. Uh, Tim Ferriss, a best-selling author, can still flop on a book and embarrass himself in theory. So he's, he's like a goat in the publishing world, right? But there's still supposedly, I don't really conceive it that way, and he, he, I don't know if he does, but there's still a kind of inverted commas risk. You never have a guarantee. Steven Spielberg, the, 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 the problem with having so many great films is the expectations are high. So even yeah. Steven Spielberg has like these things that he might have to deal with when he tries a new film. 
So you can never actually know. So why do people still take the risks? So firstly, you get rid of this bullshit assumption that you have something that these people don't because these people have more to lose than you do if you haven't kind of taken that leap on anything yet. But what will persist? Skills and relationships. So he discusses two examples. Advising on an early company that didn't work out. I can't remember what it was. But, you know, the skills. Later, he started advising Uber. (laughs) That's it. See, the skills, like he probably improved in his advising ability and his network, and that actually helped the Uber opportunity. The skill was transferable. Example number two is his book, The 4-Hour Chef, which didn't go as well as he hoped with Amazon Publishing is when Amazon was first doing publishing, a long time ago now. But he developed a key relationship with HMH Books, whoever the hell that is, love you guys, that later helped him with his, with his next book. This is an example of a relationship he wouldn't have developed if he stayed the course. So if he didn't go through the four-hour work, uh, four-hour chef thing, he doesn't have the relationship that helps him later on. He discusses other skills like being interviewed by people like Joe Rogan when he was promoting the four-hour chef and he was really burnt out. And he enjoyed being on Joe Rogan's podcast so much, he decided to start the Tim Ferriss show, which now has like, what is it, 70 mil plus downloads? Oh, wow. Yeah. It's one of the most popular podcasts in the world. Impacts people globally. Impacted me. Scott McEwen, big fan too. Robbie Wade, Smitty. So all these people we talk about a lot on the podcast. So it's it's pretty powerful, man. Skills. And I thought about this. I was doing a bit of writing about two years ago now about investing. And I was reflecting, if you keep thinking about investing enough, you start to realize that the two best investments are not property, stocks, crypto, or anything like that, but are actually learning and relationships. Because if you want to invest in something, you have to eventually benefit from it, right? Like if I invest in a property and the hope that it will make me 10 times richer in 20 or 30 years, I still kind of need to be around to realize that benefit, right? If I die, I can't actually, there's no point having a property if I'm dead for example, right? But I realized that uh, learning, right? Well, I can invest in learning all the time because I'm always here to use the learning. I can use it every day. And the same with relationships. Relationships are very heavily related to the quality of your life. If I don't, this is so much, it's so much easier to do the podcast, Luke, bouncing it off you in these episodes than when I record it on my own. A very Mm. simple example. And you just mentioned that me, I helped you In a way, I didn't realize the extent, but that's nice that I helped you get yours going with Dom and Dom is another relationship you have. Mm. How do you do the running podcast without Dom? Dom is one of the reasons you got into running. Yeah. So um, relationships doesn't happen. happen. So relationships and learning are probably actually the best investments, but they're never in the investing books, which is funny. And Ferris obviously has come to the same conclusion or maybe he even influenced my thinking without remembering this stuff. But to me, this is gold, right? Because when you realize that learning, unlike money, it's, it's much harder to lose your learning, like real learning. Remember, not information that you've remembered, but skills, experiences that have shaped you, giving you more confidence or ability to take on bigger challenges, networks. They're actually harder to lose than money, right? If learning was a currency, it's stronger than the US, dollars, US dollar every day. Right? A GFC can wipe out your entire balance sheet tomorrow. It can't take away your learning. 
It could actually probably only boost your learning. Learning, as if remember our good friend Taleb, is very anti-fragile. Yeah. And I think, um, sorry to interrupt. No. Because one thing I thought of is the downside as well. If you do make a fool of yourself or if you do, you know, stuff up on a public scale, it's making you more anti-fragile. Like exactly. You're getting, it's you're better. You're getting used to because that won't it won't harm you. It won't harm you as much. Run. It won't no. harm you as much if you have exposure to it. So that can also be exactly. It's actually that's upside. that's when you said that. That was my first thought. I thought perfect. He set up the episode perfectly without realizing it. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and that just clicks now. It just clicks, and you know that's why I'm still the it's still my name on the podcast, Luke. <laughs> but you know, I also think experiences too, because. Take the example of constant student, very easy one to talk about, right? This is almost a byproduct of constant student, us actually doing this together and your podcast with Dom and all the, our podcast group and all these other things, beautiful things and relationships. And the funny thing is I enjoy the constant student stuff so much. Okay. Not everything is a picnic. There's a lot of back end and having to build the platform and all that. So, but I still gain skills from that. Of course, talked about the website development two episodes ago, but like being constantly connected with bright, talented, intentional people from all over the world is like, I would pay to do that, right? So even if the business side of it didn't eventuate or it collapsed, mm. if I did it for say two years, three years, like I'm getting all these relationships, I'm getting all this learning, I am still probably haven't spent as much money as most people pay on degrees, pay for their degrees. Like the notion that I could fail is somewhat ridiculous and laughable. And it's very hard, like embarrass yourself. Like, how could you embarrass? Who cares? Like, what is that? Was anyone going to say? You actually like. There's a lot of people actually look for failed entrepreneurs as like they're like the best quality employees. Often, like startup, there are some VCs that intentionally look for failed entrepreneurs because they're so grounded and humble. They actually make good rebound uh, investments. So, yeah, it's this idea of like, how can you win? even if you fail. And, you know, in constant student, one of our concepts is the myth of failure. Like if you think about it enough, Taleb and Tim Ferriss ideas, you realize it's very, there's no such thing as failure. It's, it's kind of bullshit. It doesn't really exist. Because <laughs> normally people are thinking about, they're concentrating on one or two lines of the, the balance sheet. They're concentrated on maybe money and status and opportunity cost of staying the course. But often you end up ahead. I've had better opportunities already come to me than what I had before, like the writing contracts and stuff like that, growing the network, 18 and lost. Didn't really care how big the launch was because I knew we were going to meet a bunch of people and we did. Developed a whole string of alternative education space, collaborators and stuff. You're going to meet so many people in the world of running continually by doing your podcast. Mm. And... And you, you can't, like the, my learning example, really hard to lose that equity that you have in relationships. Not that that's the point, of course, but it's still, you've got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that whole saying, aim for the moon. If you miss, you will hit the stars. Right? Open a door. You will find more doors you didn't anticipate. You don't need your original goal to actually be realized. Very rarely. You don't actually need to achieve whatever specific thing you actually set out to do. 
because so much actually just opens up. <laughs> so, yeah, any final takeaways on, on this point? Mm, I was going to ask a question, but I'm pretty sure we might be – I'm not sure if we're getting into it in future episodes. Well, but... I'll, I'll bring the height, the, the kind of – so that's today. Was... Listeners can't see this, obviously, but I'm showing you, Luke. That's what I'll we're talking about I'll ask a question. Okay, I'm going to ask it and you can say, we will go into this <laughs> okay, a little go. bit later. <laughs> okay. For some, pe- for some people, for me, for example, it was a specific, there's normally like one or two things which stick out when you're trying to move towards a new venture and you're kind of afraid or something like that. Mm-hmm. What is the easiest way or maybe like a Tim Ferriss hack around convincing yourself that there's no actual downside? And there's more upside. Oh, to convince yourself. Well, I think yeah, like firstly, to, to convince you to take the first step. Well, like firstly, I wouldn't say there's a magic magical science behind it. We will get into probably in two episodes time the fear setting. Define your fears, yes. not your goals. That'll be the best. That's resor- a good example. That'll be the best resource for that. But I think the very simple takeaway is like, well, at one point it becomes very clear. And then Naval Ravikant has this thing where he's like, I just kept talking about what I was going to do. And then eventually people are like, you said you're going to start a business. Have you started it yet? And he's like, shit. <laughs> and so it's like, eventually you just keep talking about it. I remember I kept talking about the podcast initially. And then I remember it was Josh Hodge was like, so when's this podcast coming out? I'm like, you know what? You're right. And then I just prioritized yeah. it. I wasn't so much afraid though, because I'd definitely done scarier things than this before. But when yep. you're doing something really scary, the most powerful thing is doing it with other people, I'll be honest, because there's so much more accountability and shared. The idea of the scary part of it is just shared. It is the yep. number one thing. You started your podcast with Dom, right? Yep. That's a good example. So much easier. So much easier. And then, but then it's like, how do I go find someone? That's the point of what we try to do in Constant Student, Right. Um, I'm not trying to say that's the answer to everyone's problems is constant student. It's the concept behind constant student communities where you can tap into like-minded people, even if they're not officially part of your team. Like, uh, you know, we have the podcasters call where James Fricker of graduate theory, Liam Hounsell is on there every week. You and Dom come on. And so we can give each other ideas and support each other. You know, I've recommended James a bunch of guests and stuff like that. I've made introductions mm. We, he has an idea, he can throw it off us because he's not actually co-hosting the podcast with someone. So there are ways around that. But I also, you know, I don't want to speak for James, but he, you know, he has had very lovely feedback around just having that support of Liam and myself initially. It was very useful yeah. for him to actually start the podcast. I think the same with the book, 18 and Lost. Like I was like, oh, first book, gee, wow. But it was, so, it was really not intimidating at all just because I was doing it with the group. I was like, all right, this would be my way to learn the whole book thing. And then in future, uh, if, I'm self, if I'm just the solo author, I'm sure it won't phase me. And it really doesn't now. But at the start, it was like, oh, geez, you know, launching the first book. So that's the way I've kind of hacked around it. Yep. Thanks for giving that example. They're, they're powerful. You know, I think, I don't know, you can, but I've kind of helped Byron a bit behind the scenes with his Driven Young program a bit. And uh, even though that's his show, I want to make that clear. He runs the show there. He has a bunch of people helping him and he's done great work. I think he kind of would say to you too, hopefully not putting words in his mouth. It just helps so much just having, knowing you have someone in your corner. 
that actually is everything. They don't actually necessarily need to do much. Just having them there, it's just psychological, obviously. But it actually means everything, really. It, it will be the difference between you going through the door or not. And it's really important to go through the fucking door because the sooner you do it, the sooner you actually start this journey, the thousand doors. But the sooner, you know, the more you delay it, the less of those doors you'll be able to open up, the less, the, the, you know, you won't be able to go as far on the journey necessarily because, you know, you missed the first bus. So the second bus went off without you, you know. So, you know, as much as I can just shout through the microphone for people to take action as soon as they're possibly ready, I know it's not always enough, but those are some of the things I think that help. Great question. Mm. Mood, what is it? Mood follows action. There you go. Mood follows action. Well, what else will be helpful is we're going to keep talking about this concept tomorrow and how Tim Ferriss created his own MBA. Mm. Right? He created his own degree. What? We'll unpack it. (laughs) We'll unpack it on the With (laughs) Joey B podcast tomorrow. Back again with Luke. We'll see you guys then.